Welcome back to another episode of Leafs Talk Forever, episode 36, and I believe episode 15 of the season. Uh, the man, the myth, the legend, Kyle, is back with us. Kyle, you got anything to say? Uh, yeah. Um, no, not much to say. Um, just good to be back, and uh, apologize for the last couple episodes that I missed out on. There you have it. Kyle is back with us, and he does send his uh, apologies for missing past episodes. Um, Scott's with us again. Uh, this guy's never missed an episode. This guy's just every Thursday. He's just texting the group chat podcast ladies. Uh, he's a, he's an amplifier. Uh, Scott, speaking about you, we're going to send over to you for all the news and notes of the week. Hit it. Okay. <laughs> all right. So. News and notes. Uh, Mitch Garner, 23 games now. If, if he uh, gets another point tonight, he'll be one back of Sidney Crosby, two back of Patrick Kane for the longest streaks in the past 20 years. And then, obviously, he still has a ways to go to catch um, potentially Matt Sundin, Mary Lemieux, uh, and then Wayne Gretzky at 51. But so yeah, the streak right now is at 23 games. Hopefully, it continues uh, for as long as he can get it to go. I think that'd be pretty cool if he can get up upwards of 30 plus. Uh, and then another streak tonight that could be tight or potentially broken in the next couple games is the consecutive games with a point for the team. Uh, if they go to overtime or win tonight against the Rangers, that'll be 16, tying the Leafs record potentially could be broken against uh, Washington on Saturday. And then Morgan Riley, Sheldon Keefe was asked today, and he said that he's closer to returning to on-ice skating, but it's still a, um, a ways off of actually coming back into the lineup. Um, an additional news and note that isn't very important, but Toronto did uh, agree to a contract termination with, I forget the guy's name, um, but that will bring them down to 49 roster spots rather than the, the max at 50. Axel um, Lindell. Yeah. Uh, obviously not important, so uh, we're not going to spend any more time on that. All right, boys, we're going to start with a little uh, – oh, actually, I should also add with the return of Kyle, that means the return of the betting segment. So uh, hopefully this guy can go um, – Three for three, because I believe, Scott, that's the last time he was here. He went three for three on uh, on American Thanksgiving weekend, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, Scott yeah. keeps track of all that. So there has been some chirps about you, though, Kyle. So go back and listen to prior episodes. No, just, just, just that week. Yeah, pretty much. Um, yeah, chirps from Spencer, though, not for me. Yeah, pretty much. Always chirping. So as I mentioned before, this uh, episode is action-packed, and it's pre uh, or prior to the game, the Rangers final game at I believe seven. So we'll get cracking on it. Um, we'll start with uh, Giordano, Kerfoot, and Ingball stepping up their game as of late. Uh, Kyle, what's your opinion? Yeah, I mean um, Kerfoot the other night looked amazing. Um, got to see it live. Um, same with Engvall. Uh, both of them 
were looking pretty solid. Engvall, his shots really stepped up. Like we've never really seen him shoot like that. Um, but yeah, the last couple goals he scored, um, the one against Anaheim the other night was pretty nice. And then he had one, uh, who was it? It wasn't Calgary. It was the game before that. That he scored a nice one on the power play. Um, oh, was it LA? Yeah, maybe it was that. Maybe it was them. Um, but yeah, he scored a nice one there. Um, yeah, it's good to see that our depth is uh, picked up their game because um, sometimes teams just rely on two lines and the Leafs can't have that happen because obviously they're um, they're big guys go through cold spells. Um, and don't put up two, three points every game. So for these um, for these bottom six forwards to come in and put up points and play the game that they're playing, um, it really does as well for the team as a whole. Yeah, I agree with that. Especially Ingball coming back from that suspension, it's kind of nice for him to step up his game a little bit. And I mean, I thought he stood on a little bit more than usual. Uh, I know Scott's always been a critic of him. Like this season, did you think they stepped up a little bit more, or would you like to see us a little bit more from him in general? I mean, obviously, I, I think you'd want to see a little more from everybody. But I mean, I have been impressed with that Cam Fengval Kerfoot line the last three games they played together. I thought they've done well. It's just coming into the the season, all through the off season, that's all you heard was how Engvall's going to have a better year. He's going to step up his game. He's going to, you know, fill into the, the roles that are required with McCabe leaving and Spencer leaving and whoever. And then all but the last, like, week, he's done absolutely nothing and hasn't really played the best. So, it's, I mean, it's it's better that he's playing the way he is now, but I think it's still – he still needs to do more to to make it to the point where he's playing on a level that everybody expected him to. And Kerf, uh, Kerfoot was also it was also mentioned um, by Keith uh, that he has been playing well. His production just hasn't shown that. I don't think that he's been playing too too well. Um, just based on his production, obviously, yeah, that that points that that obviously proves the point. But uh, j- just an overall play, I don't think. I think there's sometimes I forget he's on the line or on the team. Also, another note uh, that kind of I want to talk to you guys about. So, obviously, you haven't heard Trevor Moore with the LA Kings signed, former Leaf signed uh, $4.2 million for five years. Um, that's it. That's the tweet. So, what do you guys think? Uh, Kerfoot gets ripped on for scoring 30 points and making, um, what's he make, three and a half? And now Trevor Moore, who's, uh, yeah, of course scores like 30 points, is going to be making 4.2. Obviously, their cap situation is a little bit different than Toronto's, but still going forward, that, that's going to be a contract that gets ripped on for years to come, no? Um, well, I, I think partially the only reason why he's gotten that contract is because of his production so far this year. I think that's what it's being based off of. Um, obviously, this so far what he's done, 18 points in 32 games, Um I think he's on a set on the second line, so he gets more playing time. But um, yeah, I think it's just based off of this this year um, of him getting that contract. 
not of the past couple because the past couple he's he's been nothing special. But yeah, this year he's been looking pretty good. I uh, I I tend to put him in a category with Connor Brown, someone that I wish that Toronto wouldn't have got rid of. Um, but I mean, obviously, now I I I understand why they did because the projection of his salary. I didn't expect him to pull this, but still, uh, something that I some a player, sorry, that I I, I regret Toronto getting rid of. Um, Scott, I think you might know more about this than me. Uh, you have it highlighted here. So, uh, Nylander and Kiparosas and Jonas, uh, whatever his name is, uh, stores. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just, I noticed it on Twitter. Today was talked about, today was talked about a bit more than, uh, the last couple of days, but, uh, Jonas Siegel put an article about how with the season Nylander's having, uh, it, it's a, it's good for Toronto because he's putting up points, but it's also bad for Toronto because when his contract's up, they're going to have to get rid of him because they won't be able to afford him. <clears throat> me. And then today, uh, Nick Kiprios pretty much put out the same article saying, uh, while it's good that, that Nylander's putting up points at potential career-high season, it also kind of is a negative towards the Leafs because on his next contract, they won't be able to, to afford him, so he'll become a free agent. I just thought that was interesting how, um, especially in the Kiprios case, how he's been clamoring for Toronto to get rid of him and add the, the big physical forward and the, the shutdown defenseman and because Nylander wasn't good enough. But now he's saying Nylander's too good. You need to get rid of you, you don't need to give him the contract and you, just so you have the cap space to, to, to bring in other players. Yeah, that's been a, f- uh, f- a focus of or a, f- a topic of discussion for their podcast as of late is the how Nylander's been playing, how he's been above average all the time, and he has the potential to turn out to be a David uh, Pasternak. So, I mean, obviously, with his play this season, and especially as of late, it's going to be amplified. But it's still kind of annoying that all these people who said that he sucks get rid of him are now saying you have no choice but to get rid of him because he's going to be asking for too much. Yeah. Do you really think he's going to be asking for $11 million now? Uh, yeah, probably. That's a little much. I think it's a little much too. Like, I mean, like maybe not, maybe not $11 million, maybe nine. But I could see his next contract being six to eight years or six to seven years and a decent chunk of money. But at the same time, you got to think this. Like, I heard this today, and it kind of makes me think. Not that I would, but you could, potentially. So so Jake Musson, obviously LTIR. He'll probably be on LTIR next year if he doesn't retire. Good for trial. TJ Brody, his contract runs out next year. Uh, along with Nylander, Matthews, Sandine, Lilligren, obviously Jake Muzzin, so, and Matt Murray, I guess, technically. So if you signed Sandine, Lilligren, Matthews, and you didn't have enough cap space, which, whatever, let's just say they're $3 million short, what's one player on the team that has they have proven, this team has proven right now, that could, could 
not be as valuable to the team as he was. Oh, Morgan Riley. Yeah. I heard this today and instantly was turned down on the podcast. Like everyone was like, no, no, he's he's vital to the team. I don't think that he's that vital. For seven million dollars, I think I think like you could sign for ten million dollars, you could sign Lilligran and Sandine. For seven million dollars, you have Morgan Riley. Like, what do you guys think? You think if it came down to keeping Nylander, I think I, you think that Toronto would entertain it? Or uh, well, yeah, that's what I mean. Like, if, if it came if it came down to keep Nylander, do you think that they would trade Morgan Riley for him to keep him? I mean, Riley's twenty eight, Nylander's twenty six, couple years younger. Like, if you're looking at from an age perspective. Uh, I know it's only two years, but yeah, I think uh, I think Riley would would go. Scott, what's your what's your thoughts? Yeah, I'd I'd agree. I mean, I think you'd have to base it on what they have available. Like if um, Toppy Nine was ready, or or they have another, not like a one A one B, but even like a, just a top four guy who they could bring in for cheaper price that could replace them. Then I'd say, yeah, dump Riley for Nylander. But if 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 there's nobody there to replace him, and although like he's not um, like a Kale McCarr type defenseman, he's still Toronto's best defenseman. Even if he hasn't really had the best season since that potential Norris can, uh, candidacy a couple years ago. Uh, so unless there's like a solid replacement for him, or you have the high-end prospect coming like Nymala, I'd, I'd, I'd say no. But if, if you have that lined up and you want to keep me under, then yeah, go for it. Because in the end, I mean, I think, they've already proven they, they could kind of play without him. So. Yeah, and I think like for what Riley makes and what he brings to the table, if you had Sandine and one other offensive defenseman to help, like middle of the pack, I don't think that Toronto is the type of team that – like Toronto's focus on defense – should be like having that one or two offensive guys who are, are decently middle of the pack, whatever, but then their focus should be defense, like actually defensive defensemen. Because they don't need offensive defense or offensive yeah, offensive defensemen to keep up keep up with the offense that they have. You know what I mean? Like Morgan Riley is pretty much useless. Some people were suggesting in the YouTube chat on the one podcast that they should put him on forward alongside Morgan Riley and Mitch Marner. Or sorry. John Tavares and Mitch Marner. Like, what? It just doesn't – to me, like, there's there's other options out there that you could take for less money that could help your team just as much as Morgan Riley does and keep, like, Nylander. Yeah. And if Nylander keeps putting up, like, this type of season in his next – even his, into his next contract, then it should be a no-brainer that – you choose him over Riley. But I still think you need to have that backup. You can't just get rid of him for Nylander and then have nobody there to kind of either step up or replace the the, the level of defenseman that he is. And with that, let me ask the extension, which is one of the areas that I thought we should cover before we go into the Christmas freeze and all this other stuff for the rosters. I want both of you guys' opinion on this situation. So at the beginning of the year, it was Toronto needs defense. 
Toronto needs defense, Toronto needs defense. Then people got injured. It was Toronto needs defense. They got Connor Timmons, who has played, I think, exceptionally well with the team. But overall, their defense, even Justin Hall, has played like above expectation. Now the focus shifts from defense to what? Like what would be one area of need? Would it be a top four or top six forward? Would it be a bottom? Would it be numerous depth pieces? Could it be another depth defenseman? What is the focus you think that Toronto is going for this season if, if things continue at this pace? I think a top six forward. If, like if I'm talking if the Leafs play like they have been um, for the rest of the year, I, I always thought it would be a defenseman that we needed. Um, but I guess adding maybe adding Timmons was – I know it didn't seem like the biggest deal. Um, so far it's been pretty good. Um, but yeah, I think a top six forward. We always talked about uh, getting that top six forward. We didn't know if Yarn Croak was going to be that top six forward going into the the season. Um, he's he's been pretty good um, the last couple of years, but fortunately hasn't really um, fit with the team so far. And now he's obviously injured. But yeah, I'd I'd say a top six forward. Um, don't know any names really out there that I'd say. But um, yeah, towards the trade deadline, I'd uh, I'd be looking for top six. I don't think a name I know, Bo Horvat has been brought up um, with a potential fit with the Leafs and Patrick Kane, like guys like that. But I I think those names are a little much. We'd be looking at someone uh, kind of on the second tier of forwards that could fit in the top six. Yeah, there's also been Ryan O'Reilly. Uh, even him, I think he's. I think he's a little much too. Yeah, I agree. And Ryan O'Reilly on your third on your third line, like he's not going to be playing wing. They're not going to move John Tavares over. He's going to be playing third line. So it's no different than having Nazem Kadri. Exactly. So, Scott, your opinion? Oh, there's also Jonathan Taves. Um. I think I'd say bottom six. I think, I mean, I guess it all depends on how the team's playing going into the trade deadline. But as of right now, it seems like they're good on defense. Like they have Riley coming back. They have Mete, they have Ben, they have Timmons, they have uh, et cetera coming from the minors with depth. And I think, although I think it'd be nice to have the top six like Kyle said, I think you could just shuffle throughout the game a couple players in and out of that while Marner and Tavares do their thing and just have Nylander bunting Matthews um, the line stay. But I think that, because especially if, if Engvall and Kerfoot go back to playing relatively bad, like they have been most of the season, and then you don't necessarily know how long Holmberg is going to play relatively good, like he has been. Uh, and then you have the Kyle, like Yarn Croak, who hasn't really I think the only really consistent or two so far this season has been Austin Reese and David Camp. So I think if you can kind of add another couple solid defensive or like all-around all type players on the bottom six as um, like a backup or depth, I think then I think that's that's what they should do. And what would be an, like what would be the style would it just be like another two-way guy another defensive minded guy uh grinder i mean i think uh, maybe a big hitter yeah i think well if you could add 
couple of of a types of guys, I think that would work. But if you if you only get in one or two, then obviously you'd want someone who could score a bit, but also has a defensive mindset, kind of like a like Austin Reese or like he's been playing well with the team. He's put up a little bit more points than I've expected to him already at this point. But he also forechecks. He also gets back on defense. If you can add a couple more players like that, because a team like Matthews, Marner, Nylander, Tavares are going to slow down. So your points there are pretty much solidified. Plus the way the goalie's been playing, plus the way the defense has been playing. I think that the only the, the, the downfall of the team so far in this stretch of games has been the, the bottom six not really showing up. And that's, like, Engvall's been playing bad. Kerfoot was playing bad. Holmberg's been playing well, but he's only played 15 games, so you can't really judge him on what he'll do for a whole year. Um, and then you've had a rotation of other guys come in and on lineup, like Robertson and Simmons and et cetera, who the coach hasn't really relied on. So I think if you could add two, two, one or two guys in that bomb six to help solidify and kind of make it more defensive-focused, four-check-focused, I think then that'd be better than, than what they have now. I would agree. I think, I think I know that's kind of a compound answer, but I think it would be top nine because, as you guys mentioned, like there's John Croak who could play in the top six, there's Kerfoot who could play in the top six. But I think if you got a top nine, who just uh, I don't know who would be your your third line. I guess Camp and let's just say Yarn Croak. If you could get someone like I don't want him, but someone like an a Max Domi or an Athanasiu, a caliber player who can fit up into the second line too. It will help. With that comes like the Matthew Nyes conversation. Like, would Toronto go on and spend draft capital on players when you have Matthew Nyes coming? You also have Nick Robertson return injury. Um, so my answer would actually probably be a third goalie, and it's not because these guys aren't playing well. Obviously, they they're the best tandem in the league, and if it's sustainable, it is. Like that's great. It's obviously not going to be sustainable. A nine thirty nine save percentage is not like that. I think that'd be like the best save percentage ever recorded. Uh, but yeah, I, I think like a third goalie, whether it be like James Reimer or whomever, who can just come in, give them some relief at the end of the year, and then if one gets injured, obviously be there. Like not. And again, I I really like Eric Schalgren, but I just feel like if you had. If Matt Murray went down with an injury and missed all of the playoffs and Sam Sonoff was playing bad, are you going to put Eric Schalgren in against Tampa Bay or Boston in the playoffs? Probably not. You'd want that extra support. So, yeah, I'd probably go with the goalie. Oh, but, I mean, that's if they get injured. Yeah, no, I know. And I'm not saying that they – like I, I would just say even if they if they didn't get injured for the rest of the year, like the time at the beginning of the season was it, I would still probably hope that Toronto would get some type of of third string goalie. Uh just to just to add that extra support. It doesn't even need to be a third string goalie. Just like the year that they got David Riddich. Remember that? Yeah. He came in added a little, little bit of uh relief at the end of the year. And I think a guy like James Reimer or whomever uh would add that with next year if Samsonov collects I don't know, let's just say Sam Solonoff gets $5 million and Toronto's going with Matt Murray, then having that extra guy who's you could kind of talk into signing and then not have to go to market. 
you know, I, I just think like a third goalie would be good. But the same coin, same sorry, same side of the coin. I don't know if that's the same, but I know it's, it's hard to choose because you also have Shogren and there's the gong. You also have Shogren and you have good defense right now and you've got depth defense and then you have forwards and you've got more forwards joining you. So that's a little hard. Yeah. Like we all want to add, like if you could add everything you would, right. But it's like, you know, you're not going to get one of each. Yeah, no, exactly. I agree. It'd be cool if they could, but they obviously, and I don't think that Toronto is going to be going out and landing some big ass guy. Like I don't see them getting Bo Horvat, Ryan O'Reilly, Patrick Kane, maybe John Jonathan Taves, but it's still going to cost them a lot. I think they're going to be in that Colin Blackwell, like last year. Obviously, they got Giordano, but let's go. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't see them. I don't see them getting Taves, even if Chicago retained some of his contract. I feel like he's still too, like Casa, too. I guess too big for the the role that they're going to want him to play. Yeah. Yeah. You're, I, I don't think Jonathan Chase is, is an option either. Like I think as mentioned before, I think that they're going to be in that realm of like a Domi, Athanasiu, um, like a third line player, second line player who can play up kind of like in the Kerfoot yarn croak discussion. If they do get anyone, but who knows? It also depends on who's playing bad for Toronto to, to pitch. If it's Ingvall and they pitch Ingvall for someone, like, okay, so Ingvall for Athanasiu, let's just say, and then you, like, is that improving a team? Maybe. Do they play the same style? Yeah. One person I think that Toronto really missed out on, which I really would have liked to have, is, is Ryan Reeves. Not because it's fighting, just because he's, like, the type of person he is. Like he instantly gelled with everyone in Minnesota. He instantly gelled with everyone in the in New York. He instantly gelled with everyone in Pittsburgh, with everyone in Vegas. Like he just seems like a, a great guy to have around. So would have been nice to have. But I mean, I uh, I mean, it'd be cool if they added a top six to play with. If Marner and Tavares are still together by then, whatever, or if they shuffle Nylander back down. But if they don't, I I don't see why they wouldn't just use the guys they already have, but just in a rotation. Like if they, so if Kerfoot is slotted to play on the second line in the lineup, he doesn't necessarily have to play second line the whole game. Right. Like they could, yeah. like every other shift, they could put Matthews with uh, Tavares and Marner. They could shuffle Nylander down to play with them. They could put Bunting there. And then Kerfoot can still play that bottom six role that he's, he seems, at least in the last couple of games to have been, finding his footing in. So even if they don't add the top six, then I don't think it necessarily hinders Toronto because they have three or four guys in their bomb six that could fill a role every other shift or every third shift or or two or three shifts or whatever in those games that they need they, they're playing. Whether that's Kerfoot or Yon Croak or even Austin Reese or whatever. And then if you just shuffle the other top five around and and then that kind of solves the problem if they don't add a top six, I think, anyway. Yeah, I agree. I think I, – I, right now I would say probably their focus shouldn't really be doing much. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade much draft capital, you know, but 
Anyways, uh, we got to get a word from our show sponsor. Which, I never understood. Sorry, continue your thoughts, Scott. I just, I was going to say, I know there's wide teams. Like, I get the the playoffs are a long, hard battle, whatever, but you think if it's always the top teams who are at, trying to add super level, top six, top four defense, whatever, and you just think, like, if your team is already that good, the chemistry's been there, the, like, the team's flowing well together, and, you, like, sometimes, especially in the last couple of years, it hasn't worked out, where they bring in a guy, and then it, it seems like it just kind of ruins that that locker room chemistry. Because guys who work well together are, have to be shuffled around to make room for the guy. So I just never really understood why teams are all all in on trade deadline to try to add three or four guys for a playoff push when they're already the best team in the league and are probably, even without the new guys, going to make it to the Eastern Conference Final anyway. Yeah. Uh, I guess uh, I guess I see what your point is. But I mean, like, if I had the chance to add Patrick Kane at the deadline, like I, I would, well, barring yeah, obviously stuff to do. But like, but like when Toronto went and got like Nick- Max Domi or something, like I see your point with that. Yeah, or when Toronto traded for Nick Felino, or who was it last year that added at the deadline, and then they got beat out in the first round. But like, Tom Blackwell. Like, I don't. I just don't understand why sometimes. Well, yeah, but I meant besides Toronto. I think I thought there was another team that added, like Columbus or something, wasn't it? Pittsburgh added Columbus got rid of players. Was it last year? Pittsburgh added Raquel. Yeah, yeah, and then they got beat on the first round too. Yeah, that might have been it. Yeah, but like sometimes, like obviously, every team in the league wants Patrick Kane. But, like, if you're adding a second line to try to solidify your top six, like especially the last couple of years, it, it seems like it, it mostly doesn't work out because it, the teams don't perform the same after getting those players as they did before getting them. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I see that. I see, like, a bigger player like that, it has to be a gel or else everything's kind of gone, you know? So I, I can see what you're saying. Um, any other thoughts on this? No. No? Okay. Uh, so we're going to go to break. We've got a couple more things to touch on, and then uh, we'll after we'll get Kyle's um, Kyle's betting segment, and then we got a couple last-minute things to touch on. We've got about 20 minutes left, so let's get to it. Hockey fans, light the lamp this winter with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. New customers can bet just $5 pregame money lines on any NHL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. If that wasn't enough excitement, you can turn small bets into even bigger payouts with same-game parlays. Combine multi-bets, like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more for your shot to win even bigger payouts. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet $5 on any NHL team to win and get $150 in free bets if they do. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Promo code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See notes for details. All right. 
Uh, remember to use that uh, promo code and especially around the holidays with the World Juniors starting up and everything, please bet responsibly. Um, you don't need to lose your whole livelihood trying to win a couple dollars. So uh, play responsibly. Know your limits. Stay within it. Kyle, you ready for this? My time to shine? Yes, sir. Can I get the music right. queued up? Yeah. Uh, well, okay. Ready? Music's starting. Yeah. Anyways, uh, it's been a couple weeks since uh, I've been on the bets. Um, so hopefully I'll get you guys some picks this week. Um, first pick that I'm going to go with is the L.A. Chargers to cover three points at home against the Tennessee Titans. Chargers are coming off of a win against the Miami Dolphins, 23-17. They didn't look terrible at home. Um, they are currently in a wild card spot. or Actually, they're just out of a wild card spot. Um, so this is a big game for them. Um, Titans, they're coming off of a... Loss at home to Jacksonville. Pretty astonishing. 36-22 loss. Note that the Titans have also lost three straight. I don't know what's going on out in Tennessee, but because their division's so bad, they are still in first with a 7-6 and six record, and they don't really have much to worry about because the second-place team's Jaguars 5-8. Five five and eight. Um, Yeah, I think Chargers can go out and cover the spread of three for sure. Justin Herbert, he hasn't been looking too bad. Um, I just think their offense is going to be too good. Um, they should be able to shut down Derrick Henry. Um, and the passing game of the Titans isn't amazing. Um, they don't have a ton of um, key guys in their passing game. like Robert Woods obviously um, but other than that they don't have a ton of guys they got a rookie I forget his name but he's pretty good but yeah the first pick is going to be Chargers to cover three that game is at 425 on Sunday I made sure to pick games that uh, that weren't on Thursday so well there's only one Thursday tonight um, but I didn't pick that game of course second game I'm gonna go the Ravens to, to cover the spread of three um, they're in Cleveland Note, that's a game at Saturday. That game's on Saturday at 4.30 p.m. So, Ravens to cover three, at least. They might even win. That's kind of a toss-up, but covering three for sure. Um, Lamar Jackson won't be playing. He's missing another week. I think he has a PCL uh, PCL injury or something. Um, What was it? Yeah, PCL sprain. Um, so Tyler Huntley, they're back up. He'll be back in again. Um, Ravens haven't looked bad at all with him, though. Um, he's got some experience. They've won two straight coming off of a win against the Steelers, 16-14. Obviously, the Browns are a little bit better. They've got some solid a solid run game with Nick Chubb. Um, the receivers aren't too bad either. Amari Cooper, Donovan Peoples-Jones. But I, I think that uh, Ravens, they're looking to try and clinch the division. Um, obviously, they won't be able to do it this week because Bengals have the exact same record as them. But they're fighting with the Bengals right now for that. So, I think they can they can um, pull off a win against the 
the uh, sorry, Cleveland Browns um, maybe pull off a win, um, but for sure they can cover three points. And my final pick, um, I'm going to go with the Patriots. Patriots coming off of a win. Sorry, Patriots over the Las Vegas Raiders. Patriots going coming off of a win against the Cardinals, 27-13. This was the Monday night of this this past week. Um, Raiders coming off of a tough loss against the Rams when Baker Mayfield came and threw. I think he threw for 90 yards or 60-something yards in, um, in like two minutes. The game-winning touchdown. Um, Rams beat the Ravers, Raiders. Um, Patriots, another team that are in wild card, uh, looks at the wild card. Um, need to keep winning because I don't, they're not going to catch the Bills. Um, so the wild card is the only spot they have at chance of the playoffs. Um, their running back might be missing this week, but I still think their defense is pretty solid. They'll be able to stop Derek Carr, Devontae Adams' offense. Um, yeah, Patriots to win. Right now, they're uh, looks as though they're underdogs according to the score. Raiders are minus .5 favorites. So that game is also at 4 o'clock on Sunday. So just to recap, my three games, we've got Ravens um, on Saturday, December 17th at 4.30 to cover the spread. Um, if you're feeling really gutsy, you can go... Ravens money line to win. I'm not telling you to do that. That's that's probably what I would lean towards, but it's kind of a toss-up. Second game was the Patriots at 4:05 Sunday, December 18th. That was money line to win. Um, and the final game was the LA Chargers at 4:25, cover three points on Sunday, December the 18th. So hopefully you guys are successful with those picks. Those are the three that I will be doing this week as well. And there you have it. Use the promo code THPN. This podcast is in partnership with the Hockey Podcast Network. Uh, There's Kyle's betting segment. Pick those picks. Win some cash. And if Kyle does win some cash, he'll donate $300 to both me and Scott. Well, that was not a part of the agreement. Uh, buddy, you go to least games okay. three times a week. <laughs> uh, yeah, because there's really three games a week, right? Yeah. Well, there is. Tuesday, yeah. Thursday, and Saturday. That's three times a week, buddy. Yeah, I don't care. Okay, I don't go. <laughs> Kyle's like, F, this guy uh, proved me wrong on that. <laughs> I try for <laughs> once a month, okay? <laughs> Every time this guy Snapchats us or uh, messages us on the group chat, he's just at a new uh, lease game. But that's all right. Uh, I think I saw you actually biting off someone's finger at the uh, Arizona game. <laughs> Funny. Uh, yeah, so that is Kyle's uh, betting segment. He'll be back with us. Well, obviously, hopefully, fingers crossed, when we're back after our Christmas break. We've got a little bit more to get into. We got about 13 minutes. 18 minutes or so um i guess what's what's the what's the time that puck drops usually like 7 10 doesn't matter anyways so uh quick note on Ilya sam 
Antonov. He's got back-to-back shutouts in his last two games, obviously, and he is now, after last game shutout, he is now the leader in goaltending stats, both save percentage and goals against average passing, Linus Olmark. Um, and he is set to go Saturday against Washington, back in Washington, facing his former team for the second time this year. Um, so let's hope for that third uh, three uh, three shots in the row, and hopefully he can stop the uh, red hot Alexander Ovechkin. Uh, Here's a question: We'll take the yes, sir. I don't know. I think maybe we've mentioned this before on the. I'm not 100 percent sure though, but if Samsonov keeps this this level of play up all year, does he get nominated for the Vesna? Probably not. Or because he's not a big name goalie, he gets passed over, and the likes of Connor Hellebuck, etc., get nominated instead. Yeah, right now every um, every sports media analyst who gets to vote for the Vesna says that it's going to be Ilya Sorokin, who's like fifth what? in goaltending stats, because it's a big name player who deserves to win one. Connor Hellebuck's going to be nominated, probably Elias Allmark, and then Ilya Sorokin. Sadly. I mean, I guess it, he plays every, pretty much every other game, so maybe that's also a factor. But that's dumb. If he's if he plays forty four games and is leading the league in goaltender statistics, then that should automatically qualify him as. Yeah, best, and the best fact best that he's only lost one, he only has one loss, and it's in it's in regulation or sorry, in overtime. He hasn't actually lost. Actually, I don't think has he lost. Uh, I think he lost one. I thought he. Yeah, I don't think he's lost an actual game though. He's lost to Samsonov. Yeah, his record showing up is nine and two. Nine and t- he's lost two games in regulation. Apparently, let me see if I can find it for you. Um, in LA. Lost oh yeah, that that yeah yeah. Lost in Vegas. Yeah, when the Leafs were on that terrible cold run. Yeah. Yeah, so based on players or teams have yeah, based on people who have played at least nine games, he's got the best save percentage at a one a one seventy. Sorry, goals against average. Sorry, save percentage is at nine thirty nine. Also that Schmid guy from the Devils also has a nine thirty nine. Who the heck is that guy? Um but yeah, also should mention I don't know how to say his name, but the rookie goalie that they or semi rookie goalie that they have in Carolina, uh whatever his name is. Chetkov. Um, yeah, he is. Uh, he's on back-to-back shutouts as well. Um, Joey Anderson has been in the lineup the last couple games, and he has been making an impact with a couple drawn penalties. Uh, Scott, I think you had mentioned to me the other day, didn't he draw a penalty that led to the game-winning goal in Calgary? Uh, or not the game-winning goal because I, I think, think they won one. I think actually, yeah, yeah, I don't. They won what four three? Think, I, uh, yeah, but there was an overtime, right? Oh yeah, true. Yeah, but I think he he uh, the bunting goal was on a power play, and I think it was the penalty that he drew that that set that up that whole. Oh yeah, it was Sandine who drew the penalty for the game winning goal. Right yeah, I know it's on it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Some people yeah. are calling him a Zach Hyman two point I haven't seen it one hundred percent yet, but it would be nice to have people that Toronto can breed into. Their lineup. Yeah, I mean, I I wouldn't say Hyman two point oh, but 
he hasn't really been uh, noticeable in a negative way as of yet. So that's that's a positive because usually when they call a player up and he makes one mistake, they they either bench them or sit them or send them right back down. So yeah, um, yeah. So apparently he's supposed to be riding it out for a little bit. Says Shavaki if he said that he's going to give him a little bit of runway. So we'll see about that. Uh, next and final thing before we uh, close this up, because the game is on in about seven minutes, uh, we have Pontus Holmberg and the offer sheet, according to Fan uh, Fan Five Ninety in their discussion. Oh yeah, there could be a chance that he does get offer sheeted this year because he's an RFA. He was on loan for his first two years of the ECL uh, in Sweden, which counts as years. Obviously, it's not like he got sent back. He literally got loaned there. So he eats up two years. He's on an, he's on an expiring contract. He's an RFA. I think that if he did get offered, she did not that he ever would, it would be around a third round pick that Toronto would get if they didn't agree. But I think that he's just the type of guy that Toronto wants, to be honest. Yeah. I don't see it happen. I mean, there's been what two, two offer sheets in the last, 10, 11 years or something like that. Kakaniemi and uh, Aho. I can't no, not Aho. Wow. The other one was, but I don't think they're. No offense to Holmberg, but yeah, it was Aho, wasn't it? Montreal offer sheet Aho, and then Carolina match, and then Carolina. Yeah, and then Carolina uh, offer sheet Kakaniemi oh, okay. yeah. and, and Montreal then match. But no offense to Holmberg, yeah, I just don't see a player on his level or his uh, like the way he plays or where he would fit into a lineup being being offer sheeted. Um, yeah, I just think it's funny that Toronto media, anytime the team does good or is on a run where they they playing great, they always have their only discussions they ever have are what players are leaving. This player should be traded. This player is not coming back. They can just never talk positive about the team. They always have to have, find a negative or, or some kind of way that the team's going to fail or or players that are going to leave because the team's doing too well, yada, yada, yada. Yeah, and um, it's only going to get worse if Toronto has any playoff success this year with the uh, Austin Matthews contract expiring next season. But it's safe to say that none of us agree he's going to get offer sheeted. Kyle? No, yeah. No worry in that. No offense to him. He's not that not quite that caliber of player as Sebastian Ajo. Yeah, and if he does get offer sheeted, um, Toronto's probably going to match because it's not going to be four or five million dollars. So, um, Unfortunately, we had to rush a little bit at the end there, but uh, we didn't get to spend as much time as, I mean, I'm sure that we would all like to discuss those topics but uh we are going to wrap this up uh we do have the week ahead we have saturday uh, de- uh december 17th washington tuesday december 20th in tampa and thursday december 22nd in philly i believe that se- 22nd game is an early start um but there's not much more to look at in the weekend because we are going to be taking at least one week off potentially two depending on everyone's situation for Christmas and the holidays, um, which are coming up on us fast. So, uh, yeah, we won't be back with you next week. We'll be back with you at the earliest 
the 29th. And if not, then it will be the, what, 6th? 8th? Something like that. 5th? Yeah. 5th. But stay tuned. Check on our Twitter for that update because we will be updating what's going on. Uh, While you're there, subscribe, like, follow, tweet, tweet us, DM us, subscribe to our, uh, our blog or our, our website, and uh, make sure you check out all the streaming platforms to see which are available for our podcast. Uh, we want to thank you, and we wish you the happiest of holidays, and if you do celebrate Christmas, a very Merry Christmas, and uh, yeah, we'll be back. Have a good one. Thanks. Go Leafs, go.